Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. Weekend mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen on Money FM 89.3. Joining me is Neil Humphreys. And Neil, we are going to talk about our crime mystery yes. uh, today. Sometimes it's a murder mystery, sometimes it's uh, like today. It's a crime mystery. Phil Spector, who was yes. the famous, famous music producer uh, known for what was called the Wall of Sound. Absolutely. Uh, back in the day um, and uh, produced so many great hits. How does it fit into a murder mystery? Well, I'm just so happy to be talking about this on so many <laughs> levels. You shouldn't say I'm happy to be talking about a murder. I can see you're excited. Like you're I physically am, excited. I am genuinely excited because this is oh, so many things. Firstly, I can't wait. You've got a fantastic personal story connection. <laughs> I do. Which listeners please don't go anywhere <laughs> our man Glenn has a direct connection to Phil Spector what a build up but Phil Spector himself this is a classic example Glenn of can you separate the art from the artist because mm, as mm. a human being he is awful I mean a despicable human being I can say that quite objectively mm. as an artist there is not a pop song on our radio station on any SPH radio station that does not have a direct connection to Phil Spector's wall of sound which he pioneered mm. in the mid-60s. You know, he was famous for his girl bands like the Crystals and the Ronettes. Ronettes Be My Baby is easily mm. in my top 10 of all-time singles. It is one of the great singles of all time. Uh, the Righteous Brothers, Unchained Melody, You've Lost That Loving Feeling, The Beatles, Let It Be, George Harrison, My Sweet Lord, John Lennon, Imagine, even up as recently as the late 1970s with the Ramones, the great punk band out of New York. He produced them as well. He pioneered what they called almost Wagnerian approach, little three-minute pop orchestras of mm. pure pop-tastic perfection. Pop-tastic, well, I like that. And <laughs> he also produced, almost incidentally, the greatest Christmas album of all time by Country Mile with my favourite singer, <laughs> Darling Love. So, as an artist, second to none. As a human being... Absolute despicable man, which is where we get up to the present day. In fact, let's just qualify it a couple of times. He used to take guns into the record mm, studio. Mm. He recorded John Lennon's uh, uh, rock and roll album in the mid-70s, got so fed up with Lennon being drunk and as drunk as he was, so he started shooting the gun into the ceiling. Mm. My favourite story, favourite is the wrong word, he married Ronnie Bennett, the lead singer of the Ronettes, right. Be My Baby. Yep. She became Ronnie Spector. He had a glass coffin built in the house, the house that you know well, <laughs> like the one in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. He actually modelled it on the glass coffin in a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, right? He took Ronnie's mother down to the basement where he kept this coffin in his weird mini castle mm. in Beverly Hills and said to her, if Ronnie ever lies to me or tries to leave me, this is where she's going to end up, <laughs> in the glass coffin. He actually says this to her own mother, his own mother-in-law. So this is the kind of guy we're dealing with when we get to our crime mystery. February the 3rd, 2003. Phil Spector is a, to most people, he's a weird, reclusive, eccentric at this stage, living off his massive royalties mm. in his massive mini castle with this huge, weird uh, wig he used to wear, this massive Afro wig he used to wear, because I think he was a bald guy by mm. then. One night, he goes to a bar, and he meets up with a, a lady called Lana Clarkson, who calls herself an actress, but you know she was on the fringes of the industry, really. He takes her home, and he says to her, you know, let's watch a movie at home. 
Within two hours, she's dead. Within two hours of turning up in his house, hmm. he's dead. Hmm. For a gunshot wound. He claims that it was suicide. It, or it was a suicide and or an accidental act. She, he was playing. He had loads of guns in his house, like loads of guns. He was a big gun nut. And the story goes, his defense was she was playing with the gun and she shot herself. And then he changed it to she was suicidal and so on. Now, I believe there were two trials. Mm. The first trial, he got off. I think it was only like five or six years later, it went to a second trial. And it all came down to one phrase. The entire prosecution of the whole trial came down to one phrase that he allegedly said on his home, on, on his home phone, he said, I think I killed someone. That's mm. it. One, two, three, four, five words. I think I killed someone when he calls the police. Because he then changes his story and says it was suicide. Right. It, was, it was gunplay that went wrong, blah, blah, blah. And then he's such a crazy guy. He even said in, in interviews after the first trial, when he got off, he said things like, she kissed the gun and mm. things like this. and Very, very strange. So finally it goes to a second trial and they got all kinds of psychologists in to basically work out, was this woman suicidal? They subsequently proved that she wasn't. Did she have depressive tendencies? They proved that she wasn't. Uh, did she accidentally play with the gun and kill herself? They concluded that she didn't. And in the end, they concluded that he shot her. Whether it was intentional or not, whether they were just playing or not, he shot her. And he was subsequently found guilty, and he's still in prison now. I think it's uh, almost 19 years he's been in prison, and he's eligible for parole in 2025. The weird story of a mm. genius, but a pretty horrible human being, who I believe you have a connection <laughs> to, my friend. Yeah, you're right about everything you've said. Uh, you know, an amazing musical talent, but a complete, and I, I don't say this word very often, but a complete psycho Oh, definitely. when it comes to a human being, definitely. which is uh, very sad. So my connection, I never met Phil Spector, but I heard him often. And back hey, in let me the, say, you fi actually physically heard the man. Physically heard him. So when I was finishing my university days, my junior and senior year in university, I went, I lived in Los Angeles in Beverly Hills. I stayed in the guest house of a dear friend of ours who had, they had an extra, you know, kind of like a pool house kind of thing right. that they let students stay in. And uh, on a street called La Colina Drive, uh, and that is right at the edge of Beverly Hills. So the house we lived in was directly next door to Phil Spector's house. So this blows my mind. I've got to stop you right there one second because <laughs> Phil Spector musically is an icon to me. You was in a house literally next door the very, like, I to could, the most famous movie producer, arguably, of the 20th century. I could, or sound, you know, music producer, yeah. I could go out my, out my door and just over a small fence and I would be walking up his property to his house. Staggering. I could see his house. His house was no more than probably about uh, maybe 100 meters or maybe a little bit more from where I was staying. And he was living in the main house. Uh, the street that I lived on used, had formerly been an estate. It was built in the 1920s for a guy called Ben Meyer who was the uh, president of the Union Bank, which is a now defunct bank in Los Angeles, was right. a very famous bank. And um, basically, it was a house, there were stables, and by the way, the stables just up the road from where Phil Spector lived is where Eartha Kitt lived for many years. Catwoman. Uh, Catwoman. Batman in the TV series. Right, and Singer and everything yeah. else, right? Femme Fatale. And there were all kinds of other stories on that particular street. But the, the street was eventually, went from one house and stables and everything to being developed and subdeveloped and several houses built on it. 
I lived in one of those houses with, uh, with our family friend. So I could hear Phil Spector literally every night Amazing. screaming at the top of his lungs to people about record deals and you so-and-so, you're not going to cheat me out of money. And I mean, every other word was a word that you could never say. And what period was this? Uh, sorry, uh, 1984 to 1987. So this is post Ramones, which was a big band he had, but he was still a massive force in terms of he had massive record deals existing yeah. and lots of money coming in. And He had know. money coming in, but I mean, to be fair, he had crested in, oh, yeah, in terms was, of his yeah, power of and, and all that, which I think probably led to some of the craziness yeah. he was doing. And one night in particular, I heard a gunshot, Jeez. which I don't know. I don't think he shot somebody. I think he was just shooting a gun, but that was not, you know, uncommon. And the, the strange thing was, or the interesting thing was that his bodyguard, a guy called George Brand, was a, a wonderful old Swiss guy, big, big, huge, burly guy. And he was very good friends with our family friend who lived next door. So he would always come down right. for coffee, generally once a day. He'd come stop by. He was walking his dog. And um, so we would sit in the kitchen and chat with George about with what was going on next bodyguard. door. And it was just beyond belief because he had two – at that point, he had two kids, Dante and Gary, living with him. And, you know – George said many times, you know, the only reason I stay with, with that guy, meaning Spectre, is because of the boys. He goes, I want to protect right. those boys. Were they Ronnie Spectre's kids? Or one was right. and one was adopted, I believe. Okay. Phil Spectre was married twice, uh, three times, but yeah. two times in the early days. And so Phil lived in the main house, this big, huge 1923 uh, Italian revival house. We lived right next door. I could hear him yelling and screaming all the time and very much reclusive at that point. Yes. Um, did get out every now and then. But um, wonderful bodyguard. Yes. <laughs> the nicest guy ever. What a job. I assume he's probably passed away by now. I, I, I'm not in touch with him anymore. But uh, boy, what a what an amazing time. I mean, that's extraordinary. You live next to – and it, was it that house? The house where he killed – I'm guessing it was, right? I he, don't think so. No, I think he had moved by then. Okay. Because he had moved he moved out of there in I think 1987 or 88. That house was sold and he moved. So um, I think it wasn't. Oh, interestingly enough, just on the other side of his house. So not on, on the street I lived in, but on the street next to it is where Prince lives. No. Yeah, or well, I, I'm sure he has more than one house, but that's where one of his houses Right, was. right, right. And on the other side, on the other street, I, literally right next to where I parked my car every day was Joe Namath, the football player's house <laughs> on that side. So, but here's the interesting thing. It was interesting. Well, lots of interesting things, but one of the things to me, people listening to this now in a country where our property is quite expensive, you yeah. know, HDB uh, can be four, five, six, seven hundred thousand, yeah, condos yeah, are a yeah, million yeah. dollars minimum, yeah. and so on and so on. You were just showing me online the actual house mm. that Phil Spector lived in when you were next door to him, correct? Now, this, I'm looking at it now. This is a beautiful house in Beverly Hills. Yep. Like you say, it's got that seven sp- bedrooms. Spanish Mediterranean yep. vibe. 12, nine baths, twelve seven bedrooms, nine baths, twelve thousand square feet on an acre lot. Right. So, so it's people, a big li- lot. people listening now, Beverly Hills, seven bedrooms, Phil Spector's home uh, on an acre lot. How much do you think this house was on the market for? I'll give you a second to come up with something. Right. You've got it. Whatever you're thinking, <laughs> you are wrong. <laughs> Slash it. Half, yeah. Tell them. It's unbelievable. Yeah, three and a half million dollars. Three and a half million. Latest, yeah. Wouldn't get you a big condo anywhere in the yeah. River Valley area. Yeah. Yeah. You could have Phil Spector's house. Yeah. Seven bedrooms, three and a half million dollars. Any of you that want to, just get online, look for 1200 La Colina Drive. That's L-A-C-O-L-L-I-N-A, La Colina Drive in Beverly Hills. That's where Phil Spector lived for many years. And... Uh, I lived at 1150 right next door. Brilliant. And if you do buy the house, you'll probably need a good plasterer for the bullet holes, (laughs) I'm guessing. 
There we go. Neil Humphrey Sykes, our crime mystery today, the record producer Phil Spector. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.